0: Again, ladies and gentlemen, ghosts, nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 47 of Radiance, my Fallout fan fiction. As always, I do hope you've been enjoying this little stroll through the Fallout universe that I've been creating, with all its crazy characters, and its talking super mutants, and loving death claws and you know, the whole host of other things that's going on, like cute spider boys that you know just love to have their bellies tickled. Well, without any further ado, let's get on with those spider boys, shall we? Let's get on with the show. Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or any of the subsidiaries or the bugs, the glitches, the Atom store or anything else I could use to suck money out of every single one of you. I'll leave all that to Bethesda. I just own the crazy Tales, and I'm, it makes me very happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 47. The Rough and the Smooth. After a few hours of planning and information sharing, the group had a pretty solid basis for a plan. It seemed that by the pattern of sightings being mostly around the fringe of Brotherhood territory, the Enclave were either testing the Brotherhood's defences, or they were harassing them, trying to divert their attention from something else. But that put up a few questions. What was it, and what were they after? Well, we know the Brotherhood of a pathological obsession with old technology that borders on kleptomaniacal. If they happen as they'll happily hap- they steal it right out of the hands of anyone, unfortunate enough to reveal to them that they actually have it. Think that could be a motive enough? They, ha- they have something the Enclave wants and they're trying to keep it from them? Or something that the Enclave have? Faith said, leaning back in her chair, folding her arms behind her head. For a ghoul, she had a rather nice figure. Her body looked rather lithe and surprisingly toned under the road leathers, which revealed slightly little, so given that that was the case... She must have rather a nice figure indeed. It would surprise them to learn the ghouls seemed to have a variance in how much they'd been affected by the radiation that had created them. The ferals looked like walking corpses. And hell, even some of the non-ferals did. But then some of them, they just looked different. Not bad, exactly. Just different. Now, it would be obvious to anybody. There wouldn't be any. wouldn't be everybody's taste. Hell, the vast majority of humanity would have a rather difficult time getting past things like their skin, and how most of them seem to be missing noses and teeth, etc. But ghouls like Faith were pretty much intact. She even had all of her own teeth. Well, unless they were implants or something. Most likely it's something they want. If they already had it, they wouldn't have gone and called a team they would have gone and called a team out to lift it out, Visa said, scratching her chin with her long claws making a soft rasping noise. "'Unless it's something too big to move,' Seven said. "'And that's worrying, because something that big is either going to be seriously dangerous "'or shift power balance in the area, and that's worse,' Faith said, and the others nodded. "'She turned to look at Seven, who was now sat with his helmet on the table. "'You sure your guys are up for this?' she asked. "'Honestly, anything to do with those fuckers is bad news.' And hell, we'd be in it just for the chance to fuck up their operations and throw them for a loop. But given the chance to rescue some innocent claws, who may or may not be related to my beloved one, and now a chance to hit them where it hurts while also fucking with the bigoted tail holes over at the Brotherhood, oh hell yes, we're in alright, Seven said, making both Faith and Visa smile. Thought you liked tail holes," Visa said with a soft purr, making Faith go wide eyes as she glanced between them. Seven turned and smiled at her solicitously, Just yours, my love, and can you blame me, given the noise you make when I give it some attention? She, he said, with both a purr making his words sound even more solicitous, and Visa's purr making her tail swish and deep-throaty growl escaping her all at the same time. Wow, you guys seriously do not fucking hold back, do you? Fay said, and both Seven and Visa turned their smiles on to her now. Not even for a second, they both said in perfect unison. Ven chuckled softly. I'd say you two are spending too much time together, but honestly she's one step away from climbing into that tin can of a suit that you call with you in the morning. Not that you'd probably complain. Might be a bit difficult to concentrate, or indeed walk, or breathe, or anything else really. He said, and Visa turned her smile now onto her brother. Like you wouldn't climb into Gregory's suit with him given half a chance. She said and Ven roared with laughter and swished his long tail before coiling it around Gregory and pulling him out of his seat and planting him in his lap, both to his surprise and delight. Not a chance. You think I want to stretch that thing out and ruin the fact that I get to keep tripping over my own tongue while I get to keep looking at him wearing the shit out of that thing? Ven said, wrapping his long arms around the human man in his lap and resting his head on Gregory's shoulders. "'as the young human reached up and stroked his horns gently. "'Never in my life would I have imagined seeing a group like this one. "'And I've been around for a long time, you know,' Faith said, looking at them all. "'Yeah, but meaning to ask you about how long ghouls live exactly. "'I keep hearing you guys mentioning things about the pre-war "'like you were even there in person,' Seven asked. "'That's because I was. "'I saw the bombs fall with my own eyes. "'Hell, I felt the heat.' It was like watching a star being born right in front of you. Hell, you'd have thought the light alone would have made me go blind. But nope. One moment I'm in the middle of Atlanta. The next moment, there's no more Atlanta. It's just me. A whole city full of people, just gone in the blink of an eye. And there I am, all alone, naked as the day I was born and changed. Both happy to be alive and scared of why. The early days were hard as hell. No one knew what a ghoul was back then, so I just kind of went underground to hide from the bigotry and the violence. And now, in a completely empty city, so I guess at least I had decent supplies, Faith said. I'm sorry, and said, feeling the weight of her pain in her voice, Then she smiled at him. Don't be. I'm not. I got to live, when pretty much everyone else didn't. Granted, you changed me physically, and yeah, ghouls aren't exactly going to be winning any beauty contests any time soon, but I'm still the same person I was back then. Well, maybe just a little stronger, I guess, she said. What did you do before all of this? Seven asked. I was a cop, and a damn good one if I do say so myself, she said, smiling. So how come you don't look like other ghouls? Visa asked, and Seven glanced at her with a raised eyebrow. Subtle, he said, and Visa grinned at him. "'And when have you ever known claws to use subtlety?' she asked, and he laughed out loud and shook his head. "'Good point,' he replied. Faith laughed and nodded. "'Don't be sorry, Visa, and it's refreshing. "'I like it when people tiptoe around us like we're made out of glass, "'or just outright insult us. "'It's nice to have someone talk to us, more more so to me, "'like I'm a normal person again. "'Usually only other ghouls do that for other ghouls.' and the occasional smooth skin, I mean human. And in answer to your question, it had something to do with the exact frequency, type and wavelength of the radiation that hit me. It's incredibly rare, but it does something to the DNA that makes it regenerative. It doesn't mean that I get to look like I once did, but it does mean that I get to heal a hell of a lot faster than anyone else. Check this shit out. She said, pulling out a blade and before anyone could say anything, she ran it right across her hand. Everyone gasped, and before their eyes a deep red line welled up across her palm of her hand, and then, just equally as fast, it sealed itself right up. Holy shit, that really is something, Seven said, and Faith nodded before wiping her hand clean on a rag she pulled from her pocket. Yep, and I'm not the only one. Chances are any ghoul you see who looks like me has it. It lets us keep our hair and our teeth, which is nice. Pity about the nose, though. But it does also prevent our skin from continually peeling off and having to regrow, which is pretty much what happens with most ghouls, as it's oddly fragile, but at least it comes back. Hell, it even lets us lot build muscle mass, which I'm chuffed about because I've always been a bit of a gym bunny, though finding weight in an actually working treadmill in the apocalypse is not exactly easy. Though we did manage it. We've built up quite a nice collection here in Underworld. At all the same time, we all have the same lifespan as any other ghoul, which to this day no one's actually been able to measure, as no ghoul has ever been known to die of old age, so the jury's kind of out on that one, she said. Well, well, that's useful and pretty cool. Can't even remember seeing a muscled ghoul before, Raymond said leaning back on his seat and Faith looked at him in surprise. And I haven't seen an eloquent super before either. You must have been one of those greaser boys I've been hearing about They're from our scouts that are roaming on the outskirts of the city, she said, and Raymond nodded. Yeah, or at least I was until I joined these fine people. And boy, I can tell you, I've been with them for less than two days and these guys are hardcore in what they believe in. And they not only go out of their way to help people like us in need, but to prove their way of life is not only possible but it's the future that we should all be striving for. I mean, I was held prisoner by another super mutant group like us. They were calling themselves the Amazons. It was an all-female super mutant group, and they were ruled by some seriously vindictive, man-hating, wannabe queen who had been using their girls to go out and kidnap innocent men and boys before doing horrible and vile things to us, before just outright killing them, Raymond said with sadness in his voice. Faith looked aghast at this new inv- n- news and I was vis- visibly saddened by it. ''Oh my God, that's fucking terrible. What happened?'' she asked. Well, Seven and his whole team here, with some help from one of the communities that Shepherd and her little team were a part of, before they joined up too, simply burst into the place and fucked them up royally. It was truly incredible to watch. I mean, one minute I was just sat there in my misery, waiting to either get raped or killed, or both... And then boom, out of nowhere they just come out of the sky. They hit the place from every direction all at once, like a full on military assault team. We got two angry claws going ape shit right in the middle of them all. We got Malachi there dropping down from the ceiling with wisp on his back to bust us out of the cages. And the whole place just erupted. And even though it cost them, they still stood by it. And us. They got us out of there because it was the right thing to do. So don't doubt these people, Faith. They say they're going to do something. They're damn well going to do it, he said, gesturing to them all. Faith looked actively impressed by this. It's true. It cost my best friend Sheila her life. We both escaped the Amazons, and we were so desperate for help getting away from them that we kind of kidnapped Seven from his group in order to try and force him to help us. As it turned out, we needn't have bothered. We just might as well have asked, because he did it anyway. His entire group was so nice to us both. They took us in, cared for us like we always been with them. And it being with them has truly opened my eyes about how the world could be if only people open their eyes and see the truth. That this place is only going to heal and get better if we realise that we all have a place in the world and we need to work together to make it happen. But these guys show that it can be even more than that if we just let it happen. I mean, look at them. We have humans and claws, both genders. A non-corporeal human girl in a synthetic robot body who's in love with an arachnicoid boy who's probably the sweetest person you're ever going to meet. Hell, I can feel his spinnerets twitching from here thinking about how he can help people all around here get better tailored clothes. And then you have Runs and Wrists over there who are a married couple. His whole human village showed the world what they could be when they married them right in front of everybody. Proudly so. So yeah, "'I'm proud to be among them,' Shawna said happily. "'Hey, you leave my boy's sexy spinnerets out of this. "'Those are for my hands only,' West said playfully, "'running her hand over one of Malachi's exposed legs "'and making him shiver happily. "'Faith's red eyes were as white as dinner plates "'as she looked around to see them all smiling back at her now. "'Well, I suppose given how you treated me and mine out there, "'I can see this, and to be fair,' I believe I do owe you guys an apology for the way I acted towards you when we first met. But given how you've spoken and acted since we've met you, you've been nothing but respectful. So both sorry and thank you, she said, and Seven reached out and patted her surprisingly solid shoulder, making her flinch in surprise as his large metal hand came down on her gently. Don't worry about it. Given what's been done to the ghouls, I'm not surprised by your reaction at all, really. But all, thank you for the apology all the same. I just hope our actions here will go to show the rest of the ghoul community that not all humans are bad and that by only working together and accepting and embracing each other's differences can we not only move forward, but actually help heal this broken world, he said. Faith eventually left them just before 2300 hours, letting the group get some sleep. But not before Malachi got his hands on her road leathers. He'd been possibly vibrating analysing the thing the whole time and he not only fixed it up the stitching with reinforced silk threads but had sewn a brand new lining into it made from the bullet catching silk that he made up the body armours of. And Seven was n- under no illusions or doubt that she'd be off showing every ghoul she came across on her way out given just how impressed she was with the quality of it. Seven finished his ablutions and headed back towards the bunk bed where he and Visa were sharing. It was a heavily reinforced steel rebar framed affair but it still protested under the weight of two claws and two humans given that Ven and Gregory were in the top bunk. The big male claws legs and tail were hanging down from the end of the bed and his tail lazily swished back and forth as he cuddled his human on his chest and Seven could plainly hear the soft wet sounds of them sharing a gentle, loving kiss, and it made him smile, even more so when Visa opened her arms and extended them towards him, welcoming him in. He went in without any resistance, allowing himself to be enveloped in his big claw girl's love, and her bosom, as his head slotted neatly in between her wonderful-feeling breasts, feeling all that wonderfully scaled feminine flesh flowing around his head like warm butter, holding him in place, just like a huge arms, legs and tail. He was utterly surrounded now in his woman's love. He slid his arms around her torso and snuggled himself in deeper, listening to her powerful heart beating steadily in her chest like a rhythmic lullaby. I yearn for these moments, my love, I truly do. Visa murmured softly, as to not wake any of the others. who were snoring softly all around them in the now darkened room, or at least some of them were. As do I, my sweet claw, he said, gently planting a couple of tender kisses right on the soft scales of her chest, feeling the purr that rippled through her ripple through him too also. He felt her long legs move around his hips slightly as she opened them just enough for him to slot in right between her powerful thighs as she used her tail to flick the thick, heavy blanket up over them both. Suddenly, from above them, there was what sounded like a wick wet sticky pop and a soft gasp that had obviously come from Gregory, and suddenly by the soft creaking noise that came with it of Ven shifting his weight in a slow rhythmic movement, it wasn't exactly rocket science to work out what was now going on above them. Both Visa and Seven glanced up at the heavy steel rebar frame as it shifted in rhythm with their quiet and gentle lovemaking. It seemed that Ven couldn't wait to get his claws on his human boy and no sooner had the lights gone out, he'd gone in. Both Visa and Seven's eyes came down from the bed above them and they looked at each other before a smile broke out across their faces and that's when they heard something else that drew their eyes across the room into the darkness. And while Seven's eyes couldn't exactly see anything in the inky blackness, he knew Visa's could. and then Seven, But then Seven didn't need his eyes as a soft hiss and human gasp gave away exactly who was responsible for it. Visa turned back to seven, and her smile was now as wide as it could go. She reached up from the centre of his back and ran a claw-tipped finger right under his chin. In a whisper so soft, even he barely heard it, let alone anyone else, She spoke. "'It seems that we are the only couple not hard at it, my love,' she purred, prickling his skin gently with the tip of her claw. "'Wow!' Even whispering Malachi? he whispered back softly and she nodded her horned head as she leaned in close so close that her lips were close enough to nip his earlobe to punctuate every single word of her next sentence. She's coiled in between his eight legs but I can still see her movements and I can also see the pleasure written on her face from here. She's in ecstasy, she whispered softly. Seven reached up and planted a series of sucking kisses under her chin and all over her neck, making her rumble the quietest growl he'd ever heard her give. You want to join them, my big sweet claw? he murmured right in her ear as he kissed underneath her jaw. She turned and pressed her mouth into his, snaking her large tongue in between his lips, utterly filling his cheeks as she coiled it around his own tongue and kissing him so deep that her saliva coated every inch of his mouth. You truly need to ask, she purred, running her hands down his back to hook her thumbs into his short's waistband, and then gently pulling them down slowly over his hips, running her thumb around the front, right under his belly, to unhook his manhood from the front of the waistband, making it bob-free and slap against a protective flap, which he could already feel was retracting exposing her welcome welcoming depth to write to him. See, Visa's huge legs slid up under the blanket and wrapped themselves around Seven's hips. He could feel her incredibly powerful thick thighs flexing on either side of him, drawing him in towards her centre, while at the same time sliding her huge hand down the centre of his back. No warm-up tonight, my love. Just you, exactly where you were supposed to be. "'Inside me,' Visa said in a soft whisper "'directly into his ear, before nipping said ear "'with her sharp teeth, sending electric bursts of pleasure "'straight down his spine. "'With a slow movement, Visa lifted herself "'to angle her lower body correctly. "'Then with a little pressure from her feet "'and from her calves, she pushed him in, "'and he felt her hot, silky labia lips kissing his foreskin.' before peeling it back to expose his sensitive tip to the aching hole those velvet lips were opening up to expose, right up until it kissed that powerful ring of feminine claw muscle directly underneath it. Seven took over from here. With a slow, precise and powerful thrust, he slid each and every inch of himself into his claw girl, Right up until his balls got a soft and loving kiss from her puckering tail hole. Mmm, that's exactly what I needed. Visa gasped, as her muscles going tense. She clamped her velvet walls down on him, trying to suck his entire length right into her womb, like she was trying to tear it off his body. The suction of her womanhood was supremely so incredible. Felt like his manhood was encased in molten silk. Shh people are sleeping. Seven chuckled in a whisper as he began to thrust slowly into Visa's luxuriant insides, making his rhythm torturously slow to maximise both of their pleasure, while at the same time making as little noise as possible. The effect was immediate. He could feel a wash of Visa's hot sticky nectar washing over his buried flesh, making it glide in and out of her despite the tightness of her feminine flesh desperately trying to hold on to him and draw him back in. There was a soft, with rhythmic popping as Seven's balls kissed Visa's slick tail hole over and over again with every single thrust into her exquisitely hot, molten depths. Seven just couldn't help himself. As he saw Visa's large breasts wobbling in time with her panting and his thrusting, he moved his head in lower, and latched on to one of her erect swollen nipples that was waving in front of his face, clamping his mouth down on it and swirling his tongue around it, making Visa's whole body tense as she fought the urge to let out a huge roar of pleasure. This was doubled down on, when at the same moment Viz realised that Seven had rested most of his weight on her now, and she also realised that he was balancing the rest only on one hand. She barely had enough time to register the devious sparkle in his eyes before he caught her clip between his thumb and forefinger and pinched it gently in his free hand. It worked perfectly and tipped her right over the edge. Visa's insides clamped down stronger than a fleshy vice and this time she succeeded in drawing him right into the root. Which as it turned out timed perfectly because even as Visa's incredibly pu- powerful orgasm began so did Seven's they both rode the waves of white-hot pleasure together, as one of the explosions of pleasure reverberated back and forth between them, like stones being dropped in a pond creating ripples. From above them, a joint moan that started off human and ended claw, as both Ven and Gregory hit the same point as Visa and Ven did below them, pretty much at exactly the same time. Visa locked Seven in place, "'and she pressed her mouth right to his. "'Tonight you are sleeping right where you belong, "'in my arms, in my heart, in my soul, "'and best of all, inside me.' "'She purred softly, "'and with that Seven placed his head down on her rumbling breast "'and let her powerful heartbeat lull him off to sleep. "'Come the morning, the group got up slowly "'and somehow managed to pry themselves apart.' They headed to the large group bathrooms, with the girls going first. Once they were all washed up, they came back out with a wisp and wisp, and these all looking like they had a real spring in their step now, and seemed to be sharing knowing glances between themselves, each taking the time to plant a kiss on their mail before the boys headed into the wash- washrooms to sort themselves out. Then, Gregory, Seven and Runs all shared the same knowing glance between themselves, as did Malachi as they all stood under the shower heads washing themselves down. In fact, each of them seemed to have the exact same spring in their steps as they moved as well, which was funny watching Malachi trying to spring with eight legs. Well, then again, it was all except for Gregory. He had seemed to have a very slight limp. When they came back out, they found Faith and Marcus waiting for them. Ah, good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Faith asked, smiling at them all. Good. Good. It's amazing what a good night's sleep in a warm bed with a hot claw girl will do you, Seven said, making Visa grin and Ven snort a laugh. Don't think sleep was the first thing on your mind, Ven said, and Seven raised an eyebrow at him. Oh, and you were any different? He asked, and Ven gave him a toothy, fangy grin, stepping right up behind Gregory and whapping him in his long arms. Never said any different, just pointing out honesty is the best policy, he said with a grin. All right, well, um, are you guys ready to head out? Faith said, while well, Marcus looked kind of flustered. Seven walked over and stepped into his power armour, and as it snapped shut, he turned back to face them. We are now, he said from within. As the team headed back out through the underworld conclave, the residents were out and about going about their early morning routine and some of them stopped to watch Seven and his team walking past, and he could see the ghouls ahead of them moving quickly to get out of the way of them. He could also see people whispering behind their backs of their hands, their bright red eyes never leaving them once. Again, it was the Enclave Power Armour that drew the majority of the glances, and he could still feel the confusion in their eyes, which, to be fair, he fully understood. Once they were clear of the museum, the four ghouls took the lead and began to lead the team, which had now spread out to ensure they couldn't get mowed down by any trigger-happy bandits or super-mutants they may stumble across. Which didn't take all that long, to be honest, but they weren't exactly expecting who they ran into. Wrists and runs, once they knew what direction they were going, on, they had done their whole power-couple scouting thing again and were running ahead of the main group as they navigated the rubble-strewn streets of the burnt-out city so when they gave the call that they'd spotted trouble heading their way, the entire group had taken cover in a large building that had once been, appeared to be a comic book store of some kind. Seven peered through a broken upstairs window. The downstairs doors had been barricaded up to seal to prevent anyone just walking in among them. Though to be fair, if these guys came in, Seven didn't think they'd be using the damn doors. The sounds of heavy power-armoured footsteps echoing down the narrow street ahead of them walking towards a shop where they were hidden. What the fuck are they doing here? They're way outside of their territory, Faith hissed, as a squad of six Brotherhood of Steel soldiers all clumped into view in power armour, as well as what looked like two normal humans jogging behind them. Thanks to the fr- br- bulky frames of the powered armour, they hadn't very neatly seen the two guys dressed in what looked like a cross between leather overcoats and robes behind them all. Huh? They must think they're onto something, Marcus said, and Seven glanced at him. What makes you say that? He asked. See the two nervous-looking guys in the leather robes at the back? Marcus asked, and Seven nodded. Yeah, what about them? He asked. Those are scribes. The Brotherhood's scientists and chroniclers. These guys are tasked with analysing and putting tech they find a good use, though it's pretty rare to see them in the field around here. So they must be after something in particular, Faith said, and Seven cocked his head curiously again. But that's when an idea struck him. Come in, Riss. Are you still on the tail of the Brotherhood mob? Over, he asked, and the comms he got just two clicks back in his ear to confirm that she was. All right, Riss, listen close. I want you to get as close as you can, close enough to listen in on any chatter from them, but be careful not to get spotted. Remember, some of those helmets have both smart targeting and thermal... Over, he replied. She clicked the PTT twice again, sending two hisses of static through his earpiece, and then she moved up close to the team and began shadowing them as close as she could. Are you sure about this, paladin? One of the scribes asked nervously, looking around herself at the buildings all around her, and the young fellow scribe to her left was doing exactly the same. Don't worry yourself, scribe Roscoe. You're in good hands, and we're pretty sure we figured out where those big green bastards are finally coming from, and those enclave fuckers are not going to get there to stop us this time from shutting that shit down. Now I'm all for bombing the fucking thing into dust, but the elders have been convinced that due to the nature of the chemicals and the virus that we're dealing with, that could possibly spread the whole thing over the entire city, and possibly turn the whole city into those big green freaks. So that's why you and Scribe Bellwether there come in. We're going to keep those big green fuckers off you while you two neutralise that shit. And then we're going to blow the whole fucking thing into dust. And boom, super freaks just entered the endangered species list, the lead paladin who was ahead of the team said. Yeah, I get that. But why just the eight of us? Why not send in a battalion to secure the site first? Scribe Roscoe said. Two reasons Firstly, the Enclave and those fucking pet death claws they've got working for them keep harassing our defences. We can't afford to let one of them groups set through the net. We'll not need we'll not seed a single inch to those fuckers. And secondly, we don't want them fuckers to know we're coming until it's too late to stop us. So that means no vertebrates, no large squads, no bombs. Just a single squad and you two. "'Because I'm told that when it comes to the FEV shit, "'you two are the scribes for the job,' the paladin replied. "'Both scribes looked at each other "'with worried expressions written all over their faces. "'Where do our scribes believe they're coming from?' "'Scribe Bellwether asked in a surprisingly soft voice, "'given that he was actually a pretty big guy, "'standing six foot five inches tall "'and pretty broad-shouldered, "'looking more like a soldier than a scientist.' A hidden West Tech research lab that was hidden in the west side of the city. They're using some kind of admin office as a front for the labs hidden underneath it. And we believe the Enclave are after it. But for what reason, we do not know. But some of our guys in the Intelligence Bureau believe given what we've been seeing the Enclave soldiers with, they're worried they've got some plans to start doing the same thing with the super mutants as well. And I want you to think about that for a moment. An army of enclave-controlled Supermutants attacking our lines and whoever else they point them at. So if you think the death claws are bad, yeah, that's why we're out here today, he said. Seven and all the others looked at one another. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm fucking more determined to stop those fuckers dead in those tracks. But honestly, it sounds like the Brotherhood are trying to do the right thing here. So maybe, just maybe... It might be the enemy of my enemy and you might just be my friend this time, Seven said. Faith erupted, snarling angrily and she looked down at her team before she glanced around at Seven and his people. I should have known we couldn't fucking trust you. She snarled angrily and looked like she was about to continue on her rant until Marcus put up his hand and slammed it down on her shoulder and she turned around to face him. I agree with Seven, he said, and her red eyes widened in shock. Are you fucking crazy? She exclaimed angrily. No, but just think about it for a moment, Faith. While the Brotherhood will kill us on sight, maybe we have a chance here to get them to get off our backs. The Enclave are different. They'll just actively hunt us down and kill us wherever we are. But if we help the Brotherhood to remove them, and to remove that threat, then maybe, just maybe, we can make some kind of understanding with them. Honestly, I don't like it, but it makes sense. But let me ask you something. Seven, if they do turn on us, will you honour your word? Will you defend us? Marcus said, turning to look at Seven. If I so much as suspect they're going to turn on us, they'll be dead before they even have a chance to lift their weapons. You can have my word on that, Seven said. Faith stepped right up to him with her face twisted into a snarl. You gave us your word that you would help us before, she began, but that's when Riss's voice burst over the radio. The enclave is here and the mutants she exclaims. A voice quiet yell, but all of them had time just to look up just before the gunfire started. Riss was perched on fire escape about fifty feet from the Brotherhood team, when the first claw appeared. She heard it coming round the corner before she had even seen it, and as it came round the corner of the street, her mouth fell open. It was a truly massive male claw. It charged around the corner and didn't even hesitate for a single second. It simply charged right into them. For a moment, Risp wondered if they'd simply be unlucky and simply stumbled on the hunting grounds of a wild claw. Well, that was until she saw the headset it seemed to be wearing. "'Looked like it had a combination of what appeared to be a colander and tesla coils "'sparking electricity between them bolted onto its head, "'and its horns were slotted through holes on the sides. "'But it was the eyes that scared and saddened her the most. "'Normally chlor eyes, and even the non-sentient ones, "'had a deep cunning and rooted intelligence in their expressiveness. "'But this one, there was nothing but pure rage there. "'Moments later, another appeared and joined its partner.' "'charging right in towards the Brotherhood. "'The Paladin and the others didn't hesitate themselves. "'They shoved the scribes towards the buildings, "'telling them to run and hide, "'before opening fire on the claws, "'trying to draw their attention towards them "'instead of the lightly armed and unarmoured scribes. "'And just as the two enclave soldiers in full power armour "'jogged around the corner to join in the fray, "'the two claws bellowing a yell, "'another yell joined it from down the street.' and from a window above them. They all turned as just as a huge green shape emerged with enough force to burst out the entire frame. The super-mutant grunt slammed into the ground, bringing its huge rocket-powered sledgehammer down with so much force it turned Scribe Brosco into a shower of red paste It splattered everything around where she'd just been stood, including Scribe Bellwether, causing the man to fall over on his butt and begin screaming, as soon as he saw his friends simply seemed to cease to exist. Well, apart from what was covering him now, anyway. The Brotherhood were caught right in the middle of a pincer made of enclave of mutants. But it appeared that these mutants were not under anybody's control, as no sooner had the mutant with a sledgehammer lifted its dripping hammer head up, he turned to swing it at one of the claws, who had just punched a hole straight through the chest of the nearest Brotherhood soldier, punching a cloth-sized fist hole right through the armoured chest and obviously the person inside by the screaming and the gore evident from its dripping claws. The claw didn't even blink. It simply whipped around and with a single slice of its extended claws simply took off both the mutant's arm clean at the elbows, sending the rocket-powered hammerhead flying off into the sky with the mutant's arm still attached, spinning like a rocket-powered green sprinkler head, sending blood flying in all directions as it took off out of sight. That's when Riss heard something below her, and upon looking down she saw the male scribe crash into the dumpsters below her in the alleyway, and an idea struck her as he tripped over. He was obviously panicked by what had just happened to his friend, and was currently happening to his colleagues, though to be fair they were not going down quietly or easily. Somehow they had managed to concentrate their fire on the claw that had killed both one of theirs and the mutant. And had shredded him with what appeared to be heavy laser fire from what looked like some kind of laser firing cannon, or possibly gatling gun. wrist dropped down silently, and with a movement as quick as a striking snake, she managed to clock the scribe bellwether in the rear of his neck, just where his skull met his spine, with just enough force to knock him clean out, but not damage him. Before his body began its journey straight down and into the dirt, she grabbed him and hoisted him quickly onto her shoulder, before leaping back up into the air, and landing back on the fire escape, with one last glance to ensure the firefight, which had already claimed two more of the Brotherhood soldiers, one of the claws, and a few mutants. Given the corpses laying around, though where they come from she didn't know, and at least one of the Enclave agents now, was still going. She turned and pressed her, turned away and pressed her PTT. "'I have a prisoner. I'm on my way back to you. "'Do not come down. Repeat, do not come down. "'It's a slaughter down here,' she said. "'And with that, she leapt up onto the roof "'and began to run along the tiles.'" "'And that was Chapter 47, ladies and gentlemen. "'So we get our introduction to the Brotherhood now, "'and we see what the Enclave have been up "'with the Robo-Controlled Claws. "'But who's going to win that fight?' Gonna have to tune in next time to find out. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.